This episode is brought to you by WeatherGuard Lightning Tech. At WeatherGuard, we make lightning protection easy. If your wind turbines are due for maintenance or repairs, install our Strike Tape Retrofit LPS upgrade at the same time. A Strike Tape installation is the quick, easy solution that provides a dramatic, long-lasting boost to the factory lightning protection system. Forward-thinking Windsite owners install Strike Tape today to increase uptime tomorrow. Learn more in the show notes of today's podcast. Welcome back. I'm Alan Hall. I'm Dan Blewett, and this is the Uptime Podcast, where we talk about wind energy, engineering, lightning protection, and ways to keep your wind turbines running. All right, welcome back to the Uptime Wind Energy Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dan Blewett. On today's show, we've got a great guest, Matthew Stead, CEO of Ping Services, is here to talk about their Ping monitor system. Alan, really interesting uh, conversation with Matthew today. What were some of your takeaways from it? Well, Ping monitor has a, a great audio recording system, basically data data analyzer system that, that just magnetically sticks to the side of the wind turbine and takes really important data so you know if your wind turbine blades are, are having problems it's the, the thing about this and talking to matthew is so fascinating it seems like it's such an obvious solution but no one's done it until we got to ping and it's it's a fascinating uh device and a, and a really interesting company and if you own or operate wind turbines or repair wind turbines this is a good a good one because not only do we get to uh, see the technology. Matthew actually shows you all the the innards of these of this ping monitor, but also describes how the system works, and and that's what you need to know. Yeah, it is a really cool system because you think of you know like drone technology is becoming ubiquitous, right? Um, like camera technology in general, uh, all those things seem to be like the go to for assessing damage, and of course they still are. But, you know, so the ping monitor system, if you're unfamiliar, it's it's a little dome uh, about this looks like it about the size of a uh, like a fire alarm in your home. And a large part of that dome is just the windscreen. So it's preventing you know excess noise, just like you see on our, our microphones here, the, the the foam pop filter. And uh, so it listens to the wind turbine blades as they come through their cycle. So every time it goes whoosh, whoosh, it's you know, it's listening to that sound, creates a baseline. And then over time, it's comparing that baseline to the new normal. So if your you know, wind turbine gets struck by lightning, if it has leading edge erosion a couple years later, it's going to sound different. And as you'll hear in this in, right, right from the get-go in the podcast, you know, they got the idea from uh, that wind turbine uh, technicians could hear the difference themselves. So like, hey, we can tell like this something's up with this blade. Like it sounds weird. <laughs> And again, that's just something that you hear in, in like the auto industry. Uh, you hear it everywhere. Like everyone knows like, yeah, my dishwasher is making a weird sound. Something's <laughs> broken, right? Uh, but you really take that for granted. And it's such, I mean, it, we really do as humans use like all five senses in just navigating our world and figuring out what's going on. And when things, I mean, even like your own stomach, if your stomach's gurgling, you're like, oh no, I ate, I ate something. Um, so it's a really, it, it is, a, it's like one of those, why didn't that get thought of sooner solutions that makes a lot of sense for continuous monitoring just to get ahead of something and say, hey, maybe we should deploy a drone company to check out this blade because it sounds different and it sounds consistent with, you know, leading edge erosion or a lightning strike, um, you know, puncture damage to this blade. So not only can they detect that there's a problem, they can actually predict what that problem is, like leading edge erosion mm -hmm. yeah, or lightning, lightning so strike damage. That's so interesting about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really powerful device it's so small and so powerful and it's it it, it it's going to change the way we monitor wind turbines it totally will uh, so that's what makes this interview so fascinating it's it's just really like one of those interesting like i said why didn't we think of this sooner kind of things that's going to clearly make an impact on the wind industry especially as you get offshore where like we've talked about in other podcasts you don't want to be sending people out there to to maybe you know, find something like you want to know for as, as certainly as you can before you send people off to these inhospitable environments, inhospitable environments, you know, way off offshore. The Uptown podcast is here to 
to introduce those new technology breakthroughs and those new ways of looking at old problems to get them solved. That's what this whole podcast is about. And and, and I, I really like when you can bring new tech and, and describe it, show it on, show it like on our YouTube channel so you can actually see the technology because that, you really a lot, not a lot of times get to do that. And I, I think for the engineers and us techies of the world, it's, it's a really cool thing to see. Yeah, so without further ado, we're going to jump to our conversation with uh, CEO Matthew Stead of Ping Services. All right, so we're going to jump right into it. Matthew, thank you so much for for joining us. I mean, I I guess I could say across the pond, but I think you're our longest. I mean, what is this? Just across the world. I mean, hello from from Australia. I'm in the future, actually. It's tomorrow. You're right. This is our first inter interdimensional podcast. Pretty amazing. Well, a funny story. Uh, a teammate of mine a long time ago, because I, I have a sports background. A teammate of mine had a quick puddle jump, or not a puddle jump, but a very quick flight. And he was going right across the time zone, like a 45-minute flight, and he was going to land earlier than he arrived. Yeah. Or yeah. He was going to land earlier than he left. He's like, uh-uh, I ain't getting on no time machine. <laughs> 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 One of my favorite just random quotes from all time. Um, but, yeah, we really appreciate you, appreciate you being here. Um, very cool that we got to connect with you from just, uh, you know, from Australia, from so far away. Um, and you guys obviously have a great a great product that's that's starting to really take off. So let's dive right in. So the the ping the ping monitor system. Um, your background is is in in sound and acoustics. So tell us, you know, kind of how you got started and where this idea came from. Yeah, so um, I'm an acoustician, so I specialize in sound, and uh, through that work, um, I've done a lot of work with wind farms. So uh environmental noise compliance um testing siting all these sorts of things so a lot of work with wind farm operators and uh through that process you know we got to know a few operators and one operator in particular uh basically challenged us so the challenge was technicians on site as they travel around can hear uh blade damage you know they might stop get out of their truck have uh, you know maybe take a phone call uh, and then have a, b- a bit of a listen and when they have a bit of a listen if there's blade damage quite often they can hear it mm-hmm. so the challenge he made to us was that you know if, if technicians can do it why can't you make a machine that can also do the same thing so that was the the point of uh, what we're doing and um, yeah so we're listening for wind turbine blade damage yeah, that's such an interesting idea, and it's such a common one, right? Like, you know, you mm. you take your your car to the shop, auto mechanic lets it run, and he knows what the knocking sound, you know, the little pinging sound, the really subtle sounds. Like, I was listening to a bike go down the street, an electric bike here uh, in Washington D.C. the other day, and it was screeching. I'm like, this poor guy, you know, <laughs> making a delivery on it. But it's like something's very wrong with your bike, there, sir. It sounds like it's going to explode at any moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know those are obviously extreme examples, but I mean, what is what? I mean, obviously, these winter and blades are going so fast and they're so big. So there's a pretty significant sound. Um, and and your monitor is is uh, tell us a little bit how, about how it works. I mean, where is it attached on the turbine? And, and what is it kind of doing to, to separate like mm. the noise from essentially like the, the signal? Yeah, um, and that's one of the hardest thing is that there is a lot of sound around wind turbines. So it's not just the turbine making sound. It's, you know, birds, you know, wind in the grass, you know, sometimes cattle, whatever, um, aircraft. So um, I'll, I'll show you a bit of a prop in a minute. Um, but what we do is we basically synchronize our listening Um with the sound of each blade as it comes past. So what we do is we work out how fast they're coming past and then we only listen for things that are occurring with that frequency. And that way we can exclude the things that are short-term, that only occur periodically, and only listen for the the nice regular blade pass-by sound. (laughs) So um, that's the the basic uh, principle. There's also, you know, different damage has different characteristics. So, you know, erosion sounds a bit different from a crack or a hole. So we've got different um, algorithms to, you know, 
listen for these different types of damage. And, you know, this is the, the device. This is our listening device. Um, and then that goes in our windshield um, and that's attached to the base of the turbine uh, with magnets. So it's yeah, sort of at ground level. Um, you can be a bit higher if there is risk of theft. Um, but uh, yeah, so that way by being down near ground level, we can hear each blade as it comes past. Each wind turbine is different, right? So the height's different. The difference between the, the hub and the ground is different. Um, is there like a, like a butter zone where you want to make sure your device is X amount of meters from the blade tip itself? Like how close do you need to get the thing? Well, we've, we found about, you know, for most, well, for all models that we've tested so far, uh, as long as we're sort of between that 1.5 meters and four meters above ground, we're getting, you know, getting good, uh, good results. So, um, yeah, with the, those arrangements, it's, it's working great for us. So, so Matthew, the actual device is about the size of a small iPad or a large iPhone. It's yeah. it's incredibly small for for as much technology is packed into the things. What is all inside of that unit? So this is the actual sensor itself. So uh, we've basically got a, a microcontroller. We've got a bit of memory with an SD card, and we've got like a connector device and some some microphones. Um, so this is the brains and this is the thing that's doing the listening. Um, so it's, uh, doing the processing on here and then sending us the results, uh, separately. There's a cover that goes over top of that, uh, electronic piece, which yeah. is what you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the windshield. So, um, <laughs> uh, effectively, um, it's windy around wind farms. And so this is all the, the pure, um, task of this is to keep out wind noise, from our, our microphone. Um, so the actual, yeah, um, this, a lot of this is just empty space in here. Yeah, just like with our mics to, you know, keep those sweet plosives out. Sorry, sorry, yes. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How is the unit powered? How, how do you power this unit? It's so small and compact and you got this nice microphone wind uh, protector what powers it? What makes it go? So the other part, uh, which is attached to the sensor, this is our power and communication module. So it's perhaps a bit hard to see, but in here we've got a, a solar panel. Um, so we've got rechargeable batteries, solar panel, and also some cellular technology in here. So this is actually the bit that gets our data off, and then it goes up to the cloud. And in the cloud is where the monitoring occurs and um, that's where we can then alert our customers from from the cloud itself so this whole unit is requires no wiring absolutely no yeah. drilling of any holes in anything it, it basically it Correct. is like you talked of it it magnetically sticks onto the turbine and you just walk away from it yeah so we use the the plug and play terminology which is mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure someone else invented that but um yeah so it's plug and play <laughs> so you just basically plug it together and throw it on the wind turbine i think um i think we've sort of timed it the fastest it can be installed is sort of, you know less than a minute as far as uh, you know the communications go um i mean kind of walk me through like the whole process so obviously it's really quick to just you know, stick it to the bottom of the turbine and then it's doing its thing. Um, but then where's the data going? Who's it going to? Is it all AI powered? Is there manpower? Um, I mean, who sifts through the data and and and, li and listens for the relevant uh, signal? So all the algorithms are built into our device. So the device, you know, basically does the listening for us. So there's no, no technician needed to be listening, thankfully. And um, so what our device only does is it sun, uh, you know, does the analysis and then sends a summary. Um, so it's basically a daily summary of the condition of the blades. Um, that appears in our cloud and um, then that can be trended. So what's happening is we've got a level of damage reported each day uh, and then if there are changes or if, you know, if there's a bit of a step change, i.e. more damage has occurred um, or it goes above a certain threshold, uh, the cloud system that we've uh, built up then sends uh, the customers or the operators an email alert or an alert to show that, um, hey, something's changed here and, um, you know, you might want to go have a look at your, your this turbine uh, to see if something's happened. So perhaps a, a good example might be 
if there's a lightning strike. So, uh, you know, storm comes through, lightning strike. I think you guys understand a little bit about lightning. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, some blades get damaged. And um, what that does is if it's, you know, surface damage, it um, you know, makes a sound, our device picks it up, and then, that, you know, then we can get an alert out to our customer so that, you know, that, that damage doesn't go on for too long before it's addressed. So the, so the genius behind this is because the, the, the circuit board has the brains in it, you're not transmitting tons and tons of data up to the cloud. You're only really transmitting those, those little step increments of what's happening, which yeah, simplifies correct. the system immensely. But it, it requires yeah. a, a really powerful processor to do that, right? I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of... Uh, analysis on the board itself is, is is that how it's set up yeah exactly so you know um we measure to a certain frequency around uh, 20 30 40,000 samples per second so you can imagine wow. you know <laughs> that many samples per second um is a lot of data so we have to really process process it on our device uh so you know we take that audio data process on our device and then only send the summary. So yeah, the actual summary is um, yeah, in the bytes or kilobytes um, rather than megabytes, gigabytes. Oh, terabytes, sure. Yeah, or terabytes if you kept it going. So yeah, so the, this is really the, the brains behind uh, the whole the whole process. So the thought process is from the owner's side is that it's really inexpensive to maintain these things. You're not using a bunch of data uh, to upload constant streams of information. It's sending little packets like, Hey, there's, there's, was a, yeah. There was a change made to this. This happened to this particular blade on this particular turbine. You may want to check it out. It's not like you see some of these systems where they're constantly streaming data and data and data and data. Mm-hmm. And someone, yeah. like you said, has to sit there and overwhelmingly go through this data. And w- what's the point of that? One, you can have a very smart processing system <laughs> on site to do 99% of the work. That's that's. Uh, brilliant a way of, of approaching this problem because I, mm. I think a lot of the technologies just don't do that today it's that's amazing yeah and so um, our system is operating um, you know we're coming up to towards 300 systems now and um, yeah the, there's that that whole process is automated so we don't need to have an oversight as to the actual data processing um, yeah, we, we still keep an eye on it for our customers because uh, we, we want to make sure that if anything happens, um, you know, you know we're, they're seeing those things. Um, but we don't need to be part of the chain of the data analysis and then showing the results. Well, and what's really interesting about solving this problem of, you know, continuous monitoring is that you couldn't like optically do that that well with these blades going so fast. Like you couldn't set up a camera system to effectively, you know, take a snapshot every time the blade goes by. Um, and obviously you don't want to stop them and send technicians up there either, even stop them just to, you know, get ground based or, or drone footage. I mean, it just, it's really interesting that this probably makes the most sense of any of those solutions because you can just kind of listen. You don't have to get to the more complex stuff, even though camera technology and drone technology has changed so much and it's so much more effective and cheap. It's so much easier to deploy, but it's still not that easy to, cause again, these blade tips are going 200 plus miles per hour. I mean, there's just no good way to like check them all out as they're going by. So that's, it's a really interesting, like sort of why didn't I think of that kind of solution that it's probably the simplest of all those continuous monitoring ideas. Uh, we, we, we like to use the analogy of a technician. So, you know, like I said before, technicians have ears, they can hear the mm-hmm. blade damage. Um, but the, the visual aspect is, is still very complimentary, but just not every day. So yeah. Um, yeah. we like to think of ourselves as an early warning system. So uh, we can flag something's changed early on, and then, then the detailed visual can occur, um, but in an optimized way. So there's no point inspecting you know, towers that don't actually have anything wrong with them. So yeah. it's a good way of sort of getting the, the most bang for buck out of the visual inspection process. And can you go over, I mean, there's a bunch of different uh, types of damage. I mean, you can essentially detect most, if not all of them. Is that correct? I mean, root cracks, cord cracks, delamination. I mean, what are some of the other ones that your system will, will pick up? Yeah, um, erosion is obviously a, a big one, the you know, lightning damage. So really, um, for us to pick it up, it has to be on the surface. 
and it has to be disturbing the airflow. So it's the disturbing airflow which makes the sound, and that's that's what we pick up. Um, I guess one little caveat there. So for root cracks and transverse cracks, um, they are a bit harder for us to hear, and um, so we tend to focus on the outer two-thirds of the blade rather than the, the root zone. Um, we have detected some uh, root cracks or transverse cracks, but really our system is focused on the outer two-thirds of the blade where the, the bulk of the damage is. But, your, but yours can also detect like creaking and changes in that kind of stuff too, right? Uh, yeah, well actually perhaps I should um, sort of talk about something that we are working on. It's um, uh, a system that actually listens inside the blade. So, hmm. you know, for any you know, creaking, groaning, um, we can listen inside the blade and then, then we can listen for more of the transverse cracks, the, the root cracks and, you know, creaking and groaning and these sorts of things. So, wow. um, there's some uh, university research, um, University of Massachusetts, um, not, they've done a lot of work to prove out this, this sort of approach and um, um, we're looking to, to work with them to uh, take that further. Yeah, so let, let's talk about that for, for a minute. So obviously your systems are getting adopted more and more each day, but how did you go through this validation process? I mean, we talked about this with other, um, you know, CEOs of, of companies and how it can be tough to say, hey, let me on a turbine so we can test our technology because obviously these are expensive assets and, you know, it's just kind of a hands-off thing and unless you know, they know you well and they know the technology and it's not going to have any, you know, downside risk. Um, how did you, you know, what, what are some of your kind of your case studies? How did you guys get to where you could, you could validate it? I think probably from our background, because we were fairly well known in the Australian industry. So, you know, the operators knew who we were because we're working on their wind farms from an environmental noise point of view. So uh, from an introduction point of view, that, that made it a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing was that um, just that that um, yeah, all, the operators know that the technicians can hear blade damage, so it, w- it was a very easy discussion, and they just you know they just got it. Oh yeah, yeah, I get it. I, I see what you're doing, and um, um, so that made it quite easy. And then the final thing was that you know we weren't really messing with their their, their devices. We weren't hooking into any power. We weren't uh, trying to hook, you know connect to their comm system. So it was completely non-intrusive. So actually, um, I'm very pleased to say that's actually not been a problem for us. <laughs> so um, yeah, we, yeah, we've we've been validating our system. Um, I've, I've lost count of how many countries now, but I think we're probably hitting the nearly ten countries. Wow, where we've validated what we're doing. And so what is the, what is like the breaking in process is probably not the, not the right word, but you have to get a baseline, right? So with each new turbine that you're on, they're going to have different, uh, obviously blade lengths, uh, blade geometry, blade tip speeds. I mean, what does the system do to initially get that baseline and how long does it take? And, and, you know, so if I was a wind farm operator, how long before this is up and running and sending me those sort of daily, you know, report packets? Yeah, I mean, the daily report packets come straight away. Uh, it's just that um, after approximately a two-week period, um, we've seen enough um, wind speeds and wind directions um, that we get a good handle on um, what we call a scaling effect so or scaling factor. So after a, a couple-week period, uh, we can apply a scaling factor to see sort of benchmark that against other uh, wind turbines we've already uh, measured on. So, um, thankfully, thankfully for us, there's actually not a, a you know not a really large variation from turbines, uh, turbine to turbine. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much after a two week period uh, we can do that calibration uh, process. The other thing, um, you know, some some operators like to see the numbers lower, and then if it if it jumps, it's more visible. And some of them like to calibrate it a little bit more to um, their own their own you know rating systems. So um, we've got a bit of flexibility on how we set the levels up. And then, so you mentioned uh, that it's typically on every single turbine, and that that makes sense, right? I know some of these, like we talked. Uh, with Jeff Grabner of, of Technostrobe, and they're not going to put a, a beacon light on every single turbine necessarily in a formation because it just needs to identify where the wind site is. But these need to be on pretty much every turbine to detect that turbine's unique signature, even if it's not that different because they're all the same, you know, make and model. Is that right? 
Yeah, correct. We're we're only listening for the turbine that we're on. We we don't, um, or actually, we try we we exclude sound from the adjacent turbines. So we're just just focusing on the turbine that we're on. Um, there was one site where we were doing a, a a pilot and sort of validating our technology, where there was actually um, blade liberation on a tower, two turbines away. So. Um, so we, we looked, went back, looked at all the data, looked at it a bit more detail, and we, we couldn't hear it. So, <laughs> um, so we really are only listening to the tower that we're 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 working on. Yeah, it's interesting. In the I, I lived in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is a place here in um, in the U.S. that's close to Camden, New Jersey. And Camden was is a really interesting um, program with the police department where. Camden had a really high per capita murder rate for a long time. And one of the solutions, um, besides a lot of just like good community policing and just like a good um, just relationships between the police and the residents, one of the things they, they installed were a lot of cameras and a lot of listening devices into Camden where they could triangulate the sound from gunshots mm, and they mm, could send police mm, around a little mm. more. Um, and I'm sure all that stuff is, you know, it's really complicated, obviously, but I find it really curious. I mean, would there be a, a place in the future where, you know, you sort of have like noise canceling technology where you can ignore this, but you can also listen for different types of things. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of different applications for like acoustics and um, I mean, what are some other maybe peripheral um, secondary technologies kind of like that, that might be, or is there anything on your radar for the future? Yeah, there's a few areas that we're we're looking at. Um, when you, we love wind, so don't don't get me wrong, we love wind. <laughs> but um, there are a few other applications, um, and one uh, obvious one that we're working on, and we've actually already started um, pilots with some customers, is is around mining and conveyor belts. So uh, I think, uh, like you mentioned before, um, you know. Uh, you know, bearings and mechanical parts, if they're starting to fail, um, they, they can start to squeal and make sound. And that's, that's what we can pick up on conveyor belts. So, um, yeah, there's a whole lot of conveyor belts in the, in the world and we can save yeah. a lot of waste. <laughs> so, um, yeah, conveyor belts is one. Um, uh, we're doing some work with a water utility. So, for looking at uh, cracks um, and leaks in pipes um, because, you know, water, you know, spraying out pipes makes a bit of a sound. Um, there's other applications in rail. So, like, wow. um, you know, the wheel, wheel wagon bearings and yeah, the wheels sure. on the wagons. Um, mm -hmm. So, there's a number of other applications like that. Um, but we're, we're definitely on wind at the moment. Well, and I'm, I'm sure those translate to wind pretty well, right? I mean, there's up in the nacelle, there's tons of obviously electrical components, there's bearings, there's all sorts of stuff. I mean, have you, I mean, is that, is that something that's on your radar as well? We have been asked that actually a number of times about you're monitoring the main bearing and the gearboxes and so forth. Um, I guess um, with condition monitoring, um, you know, the approach of monitoring, um, there are a lot of assets where, you know, oil samples or vibration um, or temperature uh, are perhaps better than sound. So, um, traditionally, I think uh, vibration is perhaps a better method for condition monitoring inside mm -hmm. the nacelle than sound. Um, we can certainly do it, but I think uh, there are probably better other technologies which can be used in that, that scenario. Matthew, the, the amount of processor you have on board it, it it's really impressive and as you try or install the system in different places around the world obviously there's a little bit of tweaking that'll have to happen over time is is the is the board updatable can you update the board and, and make it more powerful kind of like you do with your iphone you know it just updates overnight and boom you got the next version yeah you, you've exactly got it um so through um using the cellular um technology it's a two-way communication path isn't it so mm -hmm. um yeah we send up small packets of data but um, we can update our firmware. So, you know, our firmware is where all the analysis is done. So, yeah, we can definitely update our software. Um, so just one little story. We had a, um, a pilot going on and um, we weren't able to update our software remotely. So I basically had to fly 
um, to from Australia to West Virginia <laughs> just to update software on on a number of devices. So that was not an easy task, and I, I don't want to be flying for twenty hours to just update software. Those are the hard lessons you learn, right? I mean, that's that's how the engineering world works. You you get stuck in an airplane for a full day. You think I'm never doing that again, and then you you, you make the hardware work. <laughs> but in the, in that particular case, I think it's very fascinating because there's so many different parts of the world. Like, and as we as we start growing into offshore wind the the environment out there i'm thinking off the coast of scotland or the coast of massachusetts where i live uh or even off the coast of australia there's just different noise signature wind profiles uh animals sea life (laughs) boats whatever yeah how how do you do you have to sort of fine tailor that as you get in different parts of the world eventually just because it's it's, they're just so different uh yeah so actually we um coincidentally um we're having our first offshore wind farm deployment off scotland um right at you know actually maybe tonight my time Tomorrow, tomorrow for us yeah. whatever, whatever time zones are. Yeah. <laughs> in the future for both of us um <laughs> we've got some of our devices going to an offshore wind farm um to basically test um we, we've some made some changes to our system um to anticipate what it's going to be like offshore but it's going it's a going to be a learning experience for, for us um the, i guess the good news is that um, we've worked out ways of uh excluding the sound we don't want to listen for onshore and uh, you know things like the birds but there are birds onshore there's birds offshore um sure. i think it's probably the waves the waves and wave sound is the thing that we're not familiar with someone told me so we've got to validate this but um the typical <laughs> wave frequency like a wave will come past every eight seconds or so so eight seconds or so there'll be a, another wave comes through however you know the blade is rotating you know, roughly every you know, one to two seconds or, or whatever it turns out to be. So we can still separate the sound from the blades from the waves. So mm-hmm. we're, 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 we're quite hopeful that um, our system will work without much um, modification. Well, what's, what were some of the other challenges that you had to, had to implement to, to get yours ready for offshore? Because obviously I'm sure you can't put it in the same four meter off the ground location right because obviously you know the turbines have that big base and and they're out projected out of the water a certain amount but you've still got to make sure you're out of salt spray and and a lot of those different hazards i mean what are some of the other considerations getting it ready for for the ocean yeah probably the corrosive environment um sea air rusts everything (laughs) um well if it can be rusted um so um trying to minimize the steel content um you know use um stainless steel instead um uh so that we've we've made some changes there uh sort of the you know coating the metal so we've we've painted the metal rather than just using straight chrome so um offshore we can't use this chrome yeah it'll rust in in a day Um, and then also coating some of our electronics um so some parts on here yeah are quite susceptible to corrosion so we've um applied some additional coating to that so there's some of the things that we've done Mm -hmm. to to address this corrosive environment when you go offshore like that and you have uh, sensors mon- monitoring a, a number of offshore turbines, you still have the insect and bird issues where uh, critters like to make homes and devices like yours or put a nest on it. What is the yeah. design incorporated to prevent that from happening? Yeah, we, we've been very careful about that. Um, so once again, a few stories here on a, on another site. Um, we went back there, um, and ladybirds had found their way into our uh, windshield. So we had some holes. They found their way in. Okay, so ladybirds found their way in, and then what happened? Some flies found their way in as well somehow, and then finally. Spiders <laughs> found their way in. So um, once again, we learned the hard way. Um, we had a little, whole little ecosystem going, <laughs> but they couldn't get out. So it was quite <laughs> ridiculous. 
Um, but yeah, it was sort of you know, the spiders following their prey. Um, so once again, <laughs> lesson learned, no <laughs> holes, make sure everything's sealed up. Um, so we really worked hard to you know, address those sort of in, you know, environmental challenges. So it's funny how you know, we're doing acoustics, but some of our biggest problems have been not the acoustics, there have been other, other <laughs> yeah. things. Spiders. Yeah. Spiders are everyone's Spiders. problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goats, cattle, uh, yeah, some oh. people. <laughs> so there's a whole lot of other sure. problems. Well, I imagine, you know, if your anti-theft system is just like, uh, is, is it the Naval Academy, Alan, here in the U.S. that does that where they grease the statue and everyone has to try to get to the top of it? It's like, yes. a, I just imagine you guys greasing the bottom of the turbine so no one can scramble up to steal your device. In, in Germany, uh, the wind turbines uh, tend to be like, you know, one turbine. That's it. It's not a farm. It's a, right. a single turbine. And... Yeah. Um, I've seen pictures of uh, one one of our installations in Germany, and the whole base of the tower has got graffiti everywhere. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, very accessible. Uh, so, mm-hmm. what yeah. we've done, you know, once again, our, our device is high enough that you know they can't climb up the tower. Well, those are the things you learn through hard knocks, and I, I know you've been working on this project for several years. How, from sort of start to today, how many years of of, of effort have been into this product? It's actually around eight years. So the, the first uh, challenge was um, eight years ago. Um, yeah, we had to do research into um, was it a real problem? <laughs> was it worth solving? Mm-hmm. Um, was it something we could actually listen for and pick up? Um, and then the other thing that sort of um, we had to work through was um, just, I think, uh, Alan, you've already mentioned it a couple of times, just the processing power. And yeah. to get the batteries right, you know, so eight years ago, you know, these things were consuming a whole lot more power than they are now, um, and it wasn't really feasible. Um, so, yeah, the technology is caught up to where we needed it to be, and so, yeah, it's been a yeah eight-year journey. Well, as an operator of wind farms, I, that's probably the most important salient fact of the discussions a lot of times, particularly like on a product like ours, is lightning protection is well, how long has it been in service and who's tried it and have you proved it out? Well, for us, yeah, we've been out there about 10 years and we've been on hundreds of turbines and we're having great results. You're kind of at that stage right now where you've got a couple hundred units out in service and that next stage is it's no longer validation, it's implementation. And that's mm. a that's a, that's a big transition or can be a big transition for a company in terms of just starting to mass produce support are you going through that transition now what is that like as you start to expand your reach around mm. the world what is what is that like as a company to do that yeah uh what's the term growing pains <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh it's a transitioning from maybe 20 or 50 um up to the hundreds uh yeah it's, it's quite right. a transition we have a variety of supply channels so um we can we can scale up our supply so that's that's all pretty straightforward it's the um probably the people aspect so people were yeah. used to doing a whole lot more r d you know a bit you know <laughs> rough and ready and with yep. they've got to now transition so our team has to transition to um provide more you know a, a high quality commercial product rather yeah. than something just sort of thrown together so it's probably um, our team adjusting and um, the increased testing that we need have needed to do and the, the change of organization within with our team to you know, shift um, that's probably been the hardest thing actually um, you know I, I, I can order I can order 10,000 of these tomorrow <laughs> so, right right, right. Um, but th- that does make a difference, though. I, I think you're right from the engineering staff and all that. The mindset has to really f- refocus that you, you can't just willy-nilly make changes uh, to something you've proved out. Uh, you yeah, know, you exactly. need to take that to the side. Product to customers is product to customers, and it needs to be consistent. And we need to know what it is and how it's going to work, no matter where it's installed, right? And so, uh, you know, the engineers you kind of have to wrap on the head a little bit and say, "Down, down, just you know, make consistent consistency, consistency, consistency." And from a, a wind turbine owner operator side, that's exactly what you want to see, right? You want to see just consistency, mm-hmm. consistency. You want to take this unit out of the box, put it on the turbine, bam! Every time, it's just 
like clockwork, I know this thing's going to work. And that's a yeah. totally different structure. But it's also a, a, a financially um, a aggressive structure in terms of just eating up resources. It is Your company has obviously grown over time. How are you handling that, that expansive growth? You, you're, you have investors, obviously. Um, how is that going from a, the business standpoint and supporting all this great technology? What does that look like? Uh, yeah, so we have grown. Um we, we do have external investors, um, like you say, Alan. Um, but we've also you know, received a lot of you know, mentoring and, and support to help us on the journey. Um, so it's been a mixture of training, mentoring, you know, finance. Yeah. It has taken more resources. Um, sure. the, the whole learning process, <laughs> do things better, <laughs> you know, quality control, um, learning from mistakes, um, and the team, the team uh, working together. So it's, it, I guess it's like making a perfect cake. Um, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> and yeah. with more experience, it gets easier. Um, with the right ingredients, it gets easier. Well, where do you see this going a year from now? Just watching from the outside, it looks like it's, to me, I, I can't imagine any new project going on or even existing projects. Uh, where this technology shouldn't be at least evaluated or just installed, goodness sakes. What does that next year look like for you? I mean, is it wh where do you see this thing going in the relatively near future? Yeah, you know, right today we're in the hundreds. Um, we want to be in the thousands. So sure. in 12 months' time. Um, and, you know, we've, we've, we're gearing up to that. Um, we have found that where we provide the best value is the newer turbines with longer blades um with higher risk um and sure. some of them might have lightning risk as well <laughs> so sure they, they do they do um <laughs> they do yeah, yeah. Um, so that's probably the where where we're focusing um i think uh our numbers are suggesting there's something like five hundred thousand wind turbines around the world today um and um, that's sort of expected to double in the next 10 years. So, um, yeah, I think we've got a, a great opportunity to help. You know, it's, it's not, yes, yeah, it's, it's basically helping lower, lowering the operations and maintenance costs, which is, which is great sure. for everyone. Well, and what does that ecosystem look like? So obviously, you know, if I'm a, a maintenance company, I'd love to be connected with you because you're going to tell people as soon as they have an issue. Right. And I can, I can go out and fix it. So, I mean, what right. is, what are the partnerships and, and, and what does that whole ecosystem look like? Cause you guys are, you're the messenger, right. And you fit into that whole maintenance cycle. Um, but you know, w what does that look like, uh, for you guys in the future? Mm, yeah. Good question. So initially we, we were just working directly with operators, so various operators that are doing um, you know, self-performing uh, blade repairs. So we've been working with them directly, and that's been a really neat fit. But you know, like you say, we're, we're part of the, the puzzle, but we're not the whole puzzle. So we're starting to build up um, partnerships uh, with a number of other you know, key, uh, well-known uh, operators in the space so they you know the, the the logical partnerships for us are you know, visual inspection companies that we talked about before mm -hmm. um, because this is complementary um, and there are some very forward-thinking visual inspection companies that um, see this as complementary to what they're doing um, there are also some monitoring companies you know like we talked about you know drivetrain monitoring um, yeah, monitoring for condition. So there's uh, some partners or uh, that we're looking at um, in that space where it's, it's complementary to what they're doing. So we're trying to um, find some arrangements where you know the combined companies provide a much better solution for the end customer. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's sort of the approach. We're obviously also talking to the OEMs with. Um, our, our ultimate aim is obviously, as we said, to get our device installed on each wind turbine as it's installed in the first place rather than aftermarket. Um, mm -hmm. So we're, we're working this from you know, multiple angles, um, as you'd probably expect. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes 
perfect sense where, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's systems can sort of tie together where they get an alert and, you know, the drone inspection company can ping the wind farm operator and, or owner and say, Hey, we got an alert from ping. Do you want us to go out and take a look? Or maybe they don't even need to, to ask for authorization. They just have authorization where mm. when we get an alert, we're going to send someone out. Then we'll let you know once we've like taken the probability oh, yeah. and uh, gotten eyes on it. And hey, here, you know, you don't even have to worry about this. We got a notification. We checked it out. There is damage. What do you want us to do about it? That seems like that makes uh, makes sense as a workflow. Dan, you know that that next generation of of wind turbine monitoring is uh, obviously the ping device sending out a signal to your favorite, a drone that's located on the wind turbine that just <laughs> plops up and starts taking pictures. That's where we're headed. There's there's no stopping that right now. That is the future because we have the computational ability to handle it and the processing speed and the battery power and all those little things you don't think about are mm -hmm. all in place today. It's, you know, your condor monitoring the wind turbine concept is kind of going to be fruition where you got this listening device and then uh, an imaging device coupled together. That's, that's the future. I mean, I, I think, you know, Ping's obviously set up in the middle of this is in a really sweet spot is you spend so much time developing the proper technology for the right time to connect to the rest of the ecostructure that exists on a wind turbine. And uh, I, that those relationships are going to be really interesting to watch because I can one can only imagine as as to what the opportunities are. But it, those opportunities are have got to be worldwide. I mean, you're in Australia. A lot of obviously all wind turbines happen in Denmark and Germany. How do you manage all those world connections? It seems like you're in different time zones anytime you're making a phone call. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, like I said before, we're nearly up to 10 countries where we've, we've deployed. So our, our main interest has been North America, um, uh, a lot of interest through through Europe, um, but also, you know, back through, you know, Turkey, India, um, oh, wow. Asia as well. So, wow. yeah, um, to be honest, uh, my day starts with talking to North America and it ends <laughs> with talking with Europe <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and India and uh, Turkey sort of fit in between. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but I mean, from our point of view, it's the same technology all over the, over the world. Our, our business model is to send the devices to our customers so they install. So, you know, whether it's in... Um, you know, Germany or France or in you know, Canada, it's from our point of view, it's the same thing. So we're sure. just sort of building up our infrastructure so we can deal with um, you know, the, the different uh, customers around the world. Um, but you know, it's still the same device, still the same listening. <laughs> um, so that, that's how we've built up our, our, our business model. So when did you know that this is going to be a worldwide thing? How many years ago do you realize, like, that, you know, someone in Australia who worked on wind farms said, we can hear wind turbine blades with problems. You know, you're three years into this, and then all of a sudden, you're getting a phone call from Turkey. Like, at what point do you realize, like, wow, this is a global thing. This is not a local thing. I think it probably started with my first wind turbine blade conference I attended. Um, that was in Denmark. And from that very first conference I attended, the people I met, um, it became apparent to me very quickly, it's completely global. So that, that's when I knew, you know, people <laughs> just got it and it's global. Yeah. Um, so that yeah. was sort of the first inkling. Um, and then a few years later, we, you know, once we got the few things sorted out, you know, was it a problem, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Um, then I started making a bit more contact with um, some of the OEMs and some of the you know, the operators, and to be honest, um, they were really, really receptive. So that's sort of I think when the penny dropped. Okay, we've got something. We've shown that it works. We've got right. people that actually you know are excited about it. Um, and I think that's that was the point in time. That was roughly around mm -hmm. three years ago where we thought, yeah, okay, yeah, we've really got to <laughs> put the foot on it. Got legs. Put the foot on the yeah. gas pedal. Yeah. 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 So I want to jump back to the automation piece. So obviously a lot of the jobs that end up getting replaced by automation are like the, the end point. So, you know, where you have a computer system 
and you have a human working the desk to check someone into the, the system, right? You walk in the door to your, you know, whether it's a gym or uh, an office and you say, hi, I'm here. And the, the human checks them in. Obviously, that's a job. It's like, well, let's just let him touch the screen himself and replace that that job. Right. Which kind of feels like what I was just kind of alluding to, which is, you know, the, the your ping system says, hey, we've we've detected something. There's a high probability that there's X kind of damage. I mean, is that where you see this kind of going in the future is where that gap just doesn't it doesn't have to go to a person. It just gets closed where it's going to go right to the drone company or it's going to go right to a drone or a robot. And then it's just going to I mean, how, how do you see that that sort of automation ecosystem play out? Mm, yeah, yeah, I think it's a tricky one. Um, I mean, my, my dealings with the, the blade engineers uh, across the OEMs and operators is that um, at the moment, it still uh, requires a lot of human expertise as to, you know, what is the damage? What does it look like? Uh, how am I going to prioritize? Um, I've got the ping results. I've got the drone results, but I'm still going to prioritize and optimize around that. Um, so that that assessment piece is still, I think, super critical. Um, I mean, in some ways, what we want to do is have uh, repairs being done faster. So, I mean, ultimately, our aim is to have repairs made when it's smaller. So we're trying to save time on repairs. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. so I think that's probably the end flow on. We don't. You know, we want people to be less having less time up tower. Um, so that's probably the end end point. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because you're right. I mean, those higher level decisions, and this was something uh, Danielle from Skyspecs talked to us about. You know, last year when he was on the podcast, was that he they they try to help operators understand. Hey, this type of damage is this level of severity. So therefore, you maybe want to prioritize this now or put it off. This one's safe to put off for a couple years. Um, maybe let things aggregate and then go up there and do it all at once, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think that um, mm. hearing from lots of different people in the industry, it's not just, oh, there's a problem. Let's go up and fix it right now. But it's like, like you said, that complex decision of can we lump these together? Maybe how can we save money? What's really a priority today? What's not? What's the environment like? Because if it's a really harsh you know, Australian summer or if it's a really brutally cold place, maybe that needs to be fixed sooner because yeah it might, you know, become exacerbated by, by the cold or by the extreme heat, something like that. Mm. Um, one thing, um, I think probably one of the key game changers for us is that um, because we're doing daily reporting, we can actually track the progress of damage. You know, how fast is it actually getting worse? So, oh, wow. depending on the rate of damage, um, if it's only just getting a little bit worse, you know, maybe you can let it go for longer. So, um, you know, these operators haven't had this information until now so you know some right. some um sites we've seen the damage you know goes you know it goes up quite quickly <laughs> on other sites uh, on another one we've seen that oh, the damage got worse and then it, then it flattened off it didn't didn't keep getting worse so there's a there's a whole lot of work that can be done around optimizing based on the rate of change of damage as well um so knowing when it's occurred and how it's propagating is also a very useful and that's probably where the big data piece um, comes into it later on for us. Oh yeah, it does. It, it's gonna be a. It's just gonna be a huge. Inf- it's gonna be a, there is going to be a huge infrastructure analyzing that data, not just for the obvious things, but the, they're gonna start mining that data and mining that data to figure out other things you wouldn't even consider. And I, that's that's where you're gonna see this industry be created from a sensor. Is like yours, which is really complicated, but that data is such a valuable piece, and there are so many good analysts in wind turbine industry right now that can mine that data for all kinds of unique features. And it's, so, it's not just a device; it's you are really creating an industry behind you, or internally even uh, that you the doors barely cracked on that industry yet and, and, and that's the fascinating and, and exciting thing about all of this is that we've 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 gone from that simple t- uh technician looking at a blade or listening to a blade to something that makes a lot more sense in terms of where mm. we're going to stick wind turbines and 
we're just beginning it now. And as, if, as, as you get more offshore, you're going to be pulling more data. What offshore looks like, you're going to be pulling off data. What West Virginia looks like, and there'll be two different things. And we're going to find out more interesting things. But is that part of that growth of ping? Is the sort of the data analysis part and the and the looking at those fine nuances that may not mean that much uh, today, but could mean millions of dollars for an owner a year from now. Yeah, I think um, someone, uh, one of the operators told me that um, data triangulation is super critical. Um, So taking a sensor and then comparing to the results from another sensor um, and then tying that to another bit of data. So I think that data triangulation is where the most value will come. So I, I see us as being part of the ecosystem as part of where a you know, data points that feed into the data pool. Um, so I see us working with partners um, to, to get the most out of that data. Um, so I think, I think it's important to know where our boundaries are and should be. Um, sure. And then work with other people that can take it, take it further. Oh, um, sure. And I, there are some startups around the world which are doing more and more work in this space, um, trying to get more meaning from all the data that's coming from wind turbines. So one of my, my final questions for you is uh, really just what is a walkthrough of getting this um, up and running look like? So I know it's a subscription fee, um, but, you know, if I was say, hey, all right, like the deal's signed, like what do I expect next um, as someone who signed up for the, the, ping, the ping system? Yeah, so uh, our processes uh, are um, getting uh, more of a sort of logical flow to them. But um, what the, the, the flow is looking like is um, we provide um, training videos on how to install, how to set up, um, and some you know, useful information for the site. Um, so we try and send that. So if we if we get an order, we've, we ship the devices, and at the same time, we do a few other things. So we ship the devices, and while they're in transit, we provide some training material. We also set up um, our cloud infrastructure. So when, when they're turned on in the field, they, they show up. Uh, we set up the users. So different users have access to the cloud, so we get them sort of set up. Um, and then when... The, the ping monitors arrive on site, uh, we provide training. So the technicians who are installing it, um, we work through you know, how you install it, how you plug it together, what you do. Um, there's some lights on the back. Um, what, what do the lights mean? Uh, and then, then the technicians install, um, and then we start getting the data flow. Then we start to get the results come through. And that's where we you know, go into that sort of initial sort of scaling benchmarking phase. Um, so we work uh, with the operator and just you know talk through, okay, this is what we're getting. Um, and we match that against uh, the, you know, the latest visual inspections. So we sort of do a bit of a you know, correlation with um, known conditions against what our system is saying, uh, get the scaling right. Um, then the next thing is, um, you know, fine tuning the alarms that, um, our system sends. So the, uh, we've got different settings. So some people, uh, just want to see if there's a very small change. Other people just want to only see the outliers. Um, so we work through this alarm setting process. Um, and then what we love to do is just keep in contact. So, um, with, um, you know, a good number of our customers, we're having a fortnightly phone calls just to check in, see how it's going and keep an eye mm. on things. And and then we also get some feedback as to how it's going for our customers so we can improve uh, the way we're, you know, showing data or um, so one, one customer in particular said that they'd love to see like a message board. So um, rather than just emails, they want to mm-hmm. see like a message board which sort of summarizes Oh, these are the last alerts. Uh, this is the notes. This has been actioned. It's been acknowledged. So, yeah, we're, we're getting some great ideas from our customers now that they're yeah. using our system. Hmm. So, kind of like a Slack feed, maybe something like that, yeah. where it's yeah. they can kind of go back through it rather than having to rummage <laughs> through emails. That makes that makes sense. That's yeah. like the yeah, nice feature about Slack is that 
yeah, if you you can go back through everyone else's conversations on it and, you know, run back through a month's worth of messages pretty easy rather than trying to mm. find them in your nightmare of an email box inbox. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's um, interesting. Yeah, there's a, there's a term um, of alarm fatigue. So yeah, if people right, just continue true. getting alarms, they they, they just you know, yeah. switch off. Yeah, they switch off, yeah. and then yeah, exactly. Well, Matt, this was a great conversation. I mean, it's such interesting technology, and like you said, it's um, something that's going to continue to to evolve as you learn more and more, getting f- further and further out there. But you know, we'll hope to see you on some of the big US uh, projects coming up because. Lord knows we're moving fast, putting yeah. big offshore wind farms in. So hopefully we'll see, uh, you know, ping services out there. Where can people follow up with you and learn more about it and see it in action and all that stuff? Yeah, um, pingmonitor.co is our website. So that's probably the best spot to go. Um, also LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, but probably uh, the website's probably the easiest spot to go. I'm super happy to jump on calls with, um, with people just to explain what we're doing and uh, answer questions and uh yeah yeah love to work with new new operators new partners um all over the world and i perhaps i should have said actually um around 80 percent of our systems are in north america so north america has been a, a fantastic early adopter of our technology so thanks to you and all your listeners <laughs> so more 20 more 20 hour flights are in your future is what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe not maybe not for a little couple of months but uh, maybe maybe 12 months into the future well hopefully right i mean i'm sure you'll sacrifice a little bit of a uh, little bit of sleep to to get on yeah. some of these huge projects that are in the works here but <laughs> but yeah well thanks so much for coming on the show we really appreciate it Well, thank you, uh, Dan. Thanks, Alan. Um, Really uh, been great to talk to you and uh, share a little bit more about what we're doing. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our episode of the Uptime Wind Energy Podcast. Big thanks again to our guest, Matthew Stead, CEO of Ping Services. Be sure to check out the description, whether you're on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, wherever, where you'll find links to their company, uh, their YouTube channel, LinkedIn, all that stuff. So you can follow up with them. And be sure to subscribe to the show, share it with a friend, and we will see you here next time on the Uptime Wind Energy Podcast. Operating a profitable wind farm is all about mitigating costs, minimizing risks, and being efficient with maintenance, repairs, and upgrades. It's incredibly expensive to send a team of rope access technicians up tower to make even simple repairs. We also know how costly lightning damage can be, requiring inspection, repairs, and downtime for even minor lightning strikes. Maximize the time efficiency of your techs and prevent future lightning damage by installing our Strike Tape LPS upgrade the next time your crews are going up on ropes. Learn more in today's show notes or visit us on the web at weatherguardwind.com.